Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with LA-based Grammy-winning jazz guitarist Andrew Sinewick. He opened up about being a part of the album Vanguards of Groove by the mighty SRT. It's their debut album with three seasoned and accomplished pros who are still hungry, featuring the legendary likes of drummer John J.R. Robinson and organist Mitch Down. Andrew is a multifaceted session musician who loved The Who growing up and ended up playing with them. He's been on a lot of soundtracks like the blockbuster film Frozen and many, many commercials and indie projects. Enjoy this interview. Well, thanks for doing this. I watched some of the yeah. other interviews. It's really cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's my pleasure. Glad that we could connect. Yeah, man, it's great to meet you. And to begin our conversation here, I want to start off with living through the last three and a half years with COVID. How did you get through it? And how has it changed you now? Well, it's funny. Um, You know, there was that week where I think everybody had stuff get canceled. I was kind of like, in the beginning, I was like, wow, they're like canceling gigs and people are canceling tours and stuff like that. It's kind of ridiculous. And then you know, it started to hit home for me too. Um, and there was definitely a panic period, but you know, what's funny is a lot of people had projects like, um, you know, that had been put on the back burner, like, well, one day I always want to do, you know, fill in the blank album. And it seems like all those people kind of came out of the woodwork and, um, all of that stuff picked up the slack that would have been there, you know, from anything that got canceled. Which, so, so, which is a long-winded way of saying, <clears throat> luckily for me, it really was not that bad. And I understand I'm in a pretty um, fortunate position to say that. Well, and I think that was the whole idea of it. There there had to be something to fall back on. There had to be a way of kind of saying, okay, we got to figure out other ways to get around it. But I do know that a lot of people in the jazz community, there was just a lot of, especially musicians, you know, they were the last ones that were allowed to go out in public. You know, they were doing sporting events and all these other things, but it was like the music right. community had to hold off till the very, very end, you know? Yeah. And again, you know, I'm fortunate. I've been plugged into working remotely for kind of since I moved to LA. So like 20 years, pretty much I've been doing stuff starting with like, okay, I'll FedEx, I'll overnight you these four DVDs of audio files and then I'll record and overnight them back to you. Um, so people kind of already thought of me as like, Oh, I know I can get guitars and other stuff with strings done um, remotely. Even, you know, people I'd already been working that way. Like people that live in my neighborhood that are just too busy to come over. So we just email everything so that when COVID hit, um, I, I guess I didn't realize at the time, that that was still kind of rare because I got a lot of calls from um, other musician friends like, Hey, how do I, how do I record myself at home? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so by the way, are we rolling? Yeah. 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 I just, uh, I dove in. Yeah. Oh, cool. Great. So Vanguard's a group. Talk to me a little bit about how you got into this group. And I mean, it's such a powerful album. How did all this transpire? Thanks. Yeah. So the band SRT is myself, Andrew Sinewick. I'm the S. The um, the R is John J.R. Robinson and the T is Mitch Town. It's an organ trio. And uh, how it all started is, um, you know, I've been playing sessions for a while and I've known uh, J.R. for a while. We've crossed paths on like a lot of different movies and uh, some records and things. And we've always kind of been saying, hey, we got to do something, you know, 
as you do, I mean, the talent pool in this town is just so deep. It's ridiculous. And um, I could, I, I, you know, the list is endless of people I would love to record with. So you, you kind of say that a lot and, and 99% of the time, nothing materializes. Um, but JR is somebody that, um, you know, again, we had we'd always been wanting to work together. And um, actually, I just got an email out of the blue um, a little, little over a year ago saying um, from JR saying, hey, July 11th to 12th, you in town? Let's make a record. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it, you know, <laughs> knowing kind of with no preconceived notions or anything. And then he filled me in a little bit about Mitch Town, um, how they had met. And um, it was really Mitch's idea to bring us all together and do this organ trio project. So um, the three of us got together on Zoom and um, talked about, you know, what we would want to do. Uh, we sent each other some material so that it was kind of like all coming from the same place. And um, we even did some co-writing, you know, like, hey, I have an A section. Does somebody want to write a B section? Uh, there was another tune where JR just had a drum groove that he sent me. And then I put a melody and some chord changes over it. And uh, kind of went from there. And uh, like I said, I think uh, we spent, so it's technically three days, one day of setup and rehearsal and then two days of recording i think we did probably five songs the first day five songs the second day and uh at a great studio uh here in, in town called lafx uh with a great engineer steve sykes who uh, also went on to mix it and i really think the results were quite remarkable uh it's it's pretty great you know it's it's an organ trio but it's not straight ahead jazz by any stretch um it's you know all our influences we all come from kind of diverse places and it's sort of like this little melting pot when you put us all together kind of sounds like you know there's some funk there's some rock there's some straight ahead jazz there's some like almost smooth jazz um you put all that together and, and you get srt yeah for sure i agree so how did this journey begin for you? How did you get into the music and, and how did it take off? Where were you born and raised that, that the kind of the beginnings to now? Born and raised in Annapolis, Maryland, and um, lived there until I was uh, 17. And just like most kids, I think music was a big part of my life. I, we didn't have the distractions that we have today, you know. So um, I saw The Who on on actual network television and just said, hey, I want to do that. What is that? Um, and it, it helped that my older brother, I'm the youngest of three boys. And so one of my older brothers um, was just way into music in general and always like one of those people that always like the first to know about some new band. And then my other brother actually played some guitar. And so he kind of fast tracked me and, and helped me. I had this uh, my parents were like, oh, not not another one, you know, kind of like uh, so they they got me this. We rented, which is hilarious because they, you know, they thought, well, he's not going to stick with it. So we better rent a guitar. So we rented this Yamaha um, classical guitar, which I still have. And, you know, the strings are like three inches off the fretboard. It's impossible to play. Uh, but I just loved it. And I stuck with it. And I would sneak into my brother's room and play his electric guitar when he was away. And, uh, and, but 
it was great because he would show me like Led Zeppelin riffs and just, you know, Jimi Hendrix and all that kind of stuff. And then I was always just kind of drawn to anything that was a little more exotic sounding. Uh, I would read guitar magazines and just kind of go, oh, what is, you know, Mahavishnu Orchestra. That sounds interesting. What is that? And, you know, before, uh, again, the days of the Internet where you could just type in anything into YouTube and hear it, it was like I would go to the library and, and check stuff out literally and um you know occasionally take a chance on something at tower records and it was sort of that thing where if you didn't like it you just spent you know all the money you had on this one record so you were going to listen to it until you liked it anyway and so from there you know my ears just expanded and my taste broadened and i got more and more into i guess what you consider to be straight ahead jazz and um I, about the time I was 15 years old, something like that, I met a working guitar player in my town. And uh, he took me under his wing and really showed me the ropes and, and what it was like to be a, a true working musician. And he was really a, like kind of a jazz, uh, you know, jazz Nazi. I, I use that term affectionately, like would just really make me learn bebop heads and how to play over chord changes and you know, learning songs in all 12 keys and sight reading real book songs and stuff like that. Um, and I really fell in love with guitarists that sort of bridged the gap between all the classic jazz and then stuff that sounded more familiar to my ears. So people like Pat Metheny, um, Mike Stern, uh, Hiram Bullock, George Benson, even, um, Pat Martino, anything like that that was kind of more virtuosic was was always enticing to me. Uh, and also a guitarist named Steve Morse. And I'm trying to think there was a few more. Like I knew the the bass player in the Letterman uh, band had gone to the University of Miami and Jaco Pastorius and then Steve Morse and Pat Metheny. And uh, there was a guy named Andy Timmons, who's an incredible guitar player who I'd read about in guitar magazines. And it's like all these science kind of converged that um maybe the university of miami would be a good place for me too uh, so i ended up going there uh when i was 17 and studying uh, what they call studio music and jazz and i lived in miami for six years while i was there i did everything from working on cruise ships and the show band to um playing you know in a wedding band to playing solo guitar in the corner of a restaurant, to uh, touring with kind of semi like B level artists, you know, in a tour bus, but sharing hotel rooms and driving after the gig and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and playing in a, an original band that was sort of like a jam band. Um, and then finally, one day I, I did a session for um, a huge Latin artist named Cheyenne. And it was like the seas parted, the skies opened, the sun was shining and everything kind of clicked. And I realized, like, I think this is out of all that stuff I've done. This is where I feel at home. And I sort of realized, you know, you have to look at this at the music business as what it is, which is like a marketplace where you're like kind of selling your wares and you have to go, well, what else? What is everybody else selling? What do I do that they don't do? And what am I not as good at? Or what do I not enjoy as much? And for me, the, the move was, 
okay, I should go to LA and try to be a session guitar player. So I did that. Um, I moved here in 2004 and I pretty, I really didn't know anybody, but I had one phone number uh, of a person who had graduated from um, my program who was doing custom movie trailers. And that's how I got my start. I gave him my demo CD and, uh, and he started hiring me and then he passed my name on to all his friends and so on and so forth. And before you know it, you've sort of pieced together, you know, a minuscule career where you're working on singer songwriter demos and movie trailers and low budget movies and, you know, short version, um, short run TV shows and stuff like that. And just, slowly moving up the food chain. And so that's kind of what I've been doing for about almost 20 years now. Uh, I've been lucky enough to, um, I guess no one else was available those days. So I've been able to play with uh, The Who, which is uh, incredible. I, I recorded a song on their most recent album because that's really, I mean, talk about full circle. That's yeah. where I got my start. Um, I played uh, live with Alanis Morissette it was, I mean, it was just an, an awesome experience because that's somebody, it's kind of my era. You know, I grew up when that record was just huge. You know, I, I owned that record. I listened to it. I love it. Um, and um, and lots of TV shows like uh, Cobra Kai, something, you know, more modern. But then also, again, something I grew up watching, The Simpsons. And I mean, it's talk about pinch me moment, Yeah. you know. Um, and so I've been doing that. And along the way you know i spent so many years on the quote-unquote artist type of thing you know working on your composition your your voice on the instrument um and it's something that i i knew i would get to you know eventually but i was, was really trying to build the session thing i mean that alone it's like pushing an elephant uphill and only by the grace of God, does does anyone ever succeed, you know? Yeah. And uh, so luckily that thing has been kind of cooking and I've been now um, putting some more eggs in the, you know, again, the artist is an overused term, but more eggs in the artist basket. And uh, SRT fit into that uh, just perfectly. Um, it was a chance for me to uh, write, you know, compose some material for this group uh, specifically. And then I also was able to bring some stuff that I had um, from the past that I thought would fit in. And uh, we've been fortunate enough to to go on a couple of tours. And that has really um, broadened um, my horizons. And also, I guess you could say, like, kind of sharpened my focus. I mean, it's like, it's just three people up there. And you're looking at a full house of people going, all right, entertain me, you know, and it's just you and your guitar and your two uh, buddies. Um, so to be able to do that night after night with Mitch and JR has just been an incredible uh, honor and joy. Uh, we played Japan. We toured in Japan and uh, for about a week we did uh, six shows and then we toured the East Coast of the U.S. Uh, the three of us plus uh, Tom Scott on saxophone. We toured um, up and down. We played Baltimore, um new york boston upstate new york but i mean for me i think the highlight was we played five nights at birdland in new york city wow. uh two shows a night and it's just like talk, talk about a dream come true you know it was incredible 
So being around somebody, especially like JR, who has such mileage, he's so well-respected. He's been on iconic albums and Mitch has a lot of mileage. There's a lot of people that you played with that are veterans and legends, luminaries. What have you learned from all of these guys? What, what have they taught you, whether directly or indirectly, that's enhanced you and made you the kind of musician you've become? I think um, when I, I first started playing in um, actually this big band called Gordon Goodwin's Big Fat Band, and um, Eric Marienthal plays in that band. He's a saxophone player. And it seemed like every gig that we did, he'd be... Like literally, he just came from LAX and he had flown in from Russia and he finished the gig in Russia and went to the airport, got on the plane, landed at LAX, got in his car and drove to a gig and stood up on stage and played with more energy and fire than anybody in the band. And that really struck me as like, how does somebody do that? And how can I do that? Um and he's the nicest guy like he has the best people skills just you know the most incredible human being how can i how can i be like that so that was somebody who made a big impression on me um yeah just and i mean i could go on and on about um, the musicians i've worked with um you know being able to just experience um you know, the good and the bad, actually, I feel like you can kind of learn equally from, you know, I want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. Um, I mean, that's that's really all you can do is um, put one foot in front of the other and, and learn from your experience and, and try and, uh, you know, keep moving forward. Yeah, I saw Eric in town. He would played it at, at one of our newer places called the Warwick Theater. And there was a player up there. They, I think they were playing with the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra. And one of the players is a baritone. His name's Brett. And he saw Eric early on in his career and was like, I I remember wanting to be like you. And he was like, now I'm up here on the stage and how cool it was. Right. It was such, like you said with The Who, it's such a full circle moment when musicians can have that opportunity to not only emulate these people, but to be in person. That's that's a pinch you moment. That's a big deal, you know? Totally, so, yeah. Uh, so, let me ask you this, you know, especially because of the fact that we're a jazz outfit here. Why do you love jazz? Well, I mean, it's been said uh, it's almost a cliche, but it really is America's true art form. Um, <laughs> it's also again, it's a it's a cliche. And to say it out loud is is a little cheesy, but it does make me, you know, proud to like live in this country and be an American where um, it is such a melting pot. Um, and it's a genre where, um, you know, I feel like everyone is welcome. Um, it's, it's just a real true melting pot. It's a fusion of all these different cultures and it's so uniquely American. Um, and certainly, you know, it's had ups and downs in terms of, uh, impact on the day-to-day -day culture you know the person on the street or whatever but um i don't think it's ever going to go away and um yeah that's that's kind of what i love about it is uh this connection to um people not only uh, you know in this country but around the world i feel like it unites people 
You know, the one thing that's unique about being in L.A., and, and I've talked to a lot of musicians that are on a lot of soundtracks, and the, it, it permeates so many people. And whether they know it's you or not, your reach is massive. And I'm curious, what's a project that you worked on that happened to be one of your favorite movies or shows? And sometimes you're like, man, I can't believe I'm on that. Um, I played on the movie Coco. And for me, that was kind of poignant because, you know, without being melodramatic, you know, that was a little bit my story. Like the kid that grew up in this town where nobody did anything artsy and everybody told him he couldn't be a musician. And, you know, by a stroke of luck, he uh, he ended up, you know, I didn't resurrect my grandfather or anything like that. But, <laughs> but I can put a roof over my head with with the guitar. So that's close enough for me. Yeah. But uh, that, that movie kind of hit home. And then also, you know, like I played on that song, Let It Go from the movie Frozen, which yeah. it's funny because to me like i'm not gonna put that on in the background while i'm like eating dinner or something but i know it as like if i put myself if i go backwards and i go and can, i can remember like watching three's company and and uh hearing that wah wah guitar part and then later <laughs> finding out that oh it's tommy tedesco or uh saved by the bell and later finding out and getting to work with dean parks who you know who played that incredible solo um or carl verheyen who played on uh some of the the score to that tv show um for somebody else all of the stuff i'm doing now hopefully some of it anyway is that for them so i try and keep that in mind and that um that keeps me from phoning it in you know what i mean like yeah. i just i always want to give 110 percent um so i try and stay in touch with that uh you know, little kid who's listening somewhere, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I'd like to believe that there's some kid out there that notices uh, that funny little guitar thing I had, you know, that yeah. slips by most people. Right on. So, Andrew, everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, but you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's always kind of evolving, you know, um, like I feel like this is like the goal and then this is, I don't know if I'm doing that right, but yeah. uh, like I have, you're sort of aiming for a target and sometimes you hit it and you realize like, Oh, that's actually not what I wanted to hit. And then other times you don't hit it, but you land somewhere where you're like, Oh, th this is actually a better place for me. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is uh, I really I don't think about that all that much other than I am definitely always working towards my goals. And uh, however it comes out in the wash, I guess, is is who I am, um, you know? Yeah. Does it, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. Yeah. So SRT, Vanguard's a Groove, the latest album. Where's the best place for people to get it, find out about live shows? Anything that you're doing, where's the best place to go? Uh, they can go to my website, which is my full name, andrewsinewick.com. And uh, Andrew spelled like you think it is. Sinewick is eight letters. It's S-Y-N-O-W-I-E-C. andrewsinewick.com. 
Uh, they can also follow me on Instagram. I'm pretty active there. Facebook, I've reached my friend limit. And uh, so I think it's kind of is what it is at this point. So probably my website and Instagram are the best places uh, to find out. I, I always post my dates there. Um, uh, so SRT, anything from SRT would be up there. And then uh, I actually have, I did my own record recently, which actually came out the same day as uh, the SRT record, Vanguards of Groove. Uh, and that record, my solo record is called Fun. And uh, I'm actually going to be touring with the band from that record uh, in November. So for anyone on the West Coast, uh, November 1st through November 5th, five nights, uh, I'm in Solvang, California, Pismo Beach, uh, Ventura, Los Angeles, and San Pedro, November 1st through the 5th. And uh, all those dates are on my website and, of course, on Instagram and stuff, too. And if you, you know, uh, one of the... I guess good things about having a unique name is that if you just Google me and get somewhat close, you should be able to find me. <laughs> That's right. And we'll have it all in the show notes. Andrew, this has been wonderful, man. Thank you so much for opening up. Thanks for your story. Best of luck with everything. Have a great tour. You too. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for listening and tuning into another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in L.A., New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Andrew for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.